0: Have felt the liberating, redeeming power of this book of books, and their changed lives have changed the world and the course of history. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your opportunity to hear this unique book, the entire Bible, every year.
1: Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Soapy Dollar. Thank you for joining us tonight, everyone, for The Bible Live. Tonight, these opening chapters of the book of Judges. We have read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the books of Moses. During that time as well, we read the New Testament books of Matthew and Mark. And now we've come back to Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. We've just finished the book of Joshua. It covers about 25 years or so of war as the people of Israel crossed the Jordan River, entering into the Promised Land, back into Canaan after the 400 years of bondage in Egypt, and in the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, Joshua takes them into the Promised Land, and we saw the conquest of the Promised Land by the people of Israel, the distribution of the land to the various tribes. One thing we did notice, they did not clear the land entirely, as had been instructed, of the other people groups, and particularly their worship of false gods and idols that will come back to haunt the people of Israel because they didn't obey God in that particular area of their lives. It will be a constant difficulty for them to resist the temptations of idolatry, the immorality, the perversions, and so on, that came with so many of these other religious systems, these false gods and idols. We'll watch that as we go through the book of Judges now. They do not have a king. They do not have a strong, centralized government. We will see what happens now as they go through this period of time being led by judges, or these heroes that are raised up in time of difficulty, 12 of them in particular. I'll introduce you to the first of the 12 judges when we come back. Right now, though, let's go to our wisdom and worship segment. We're going to pick up in Psalm 46. God is always there providing refuge, security, and peace. God's power is complete, and his victory is certain. The Bible Life 46. God is our refuge and strength always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear, even if earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God Himself lives in that city. It cannot be destroyed. God will protect it at the break of day. The nations are in an uproar and kingdoms crumble. God thunders and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come, see the glorious works of the Lord. See how He brings destruction upon the world and causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear in two. He burns the shields with fire. Be silent and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord Almighty is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. End of reading Psalm 46.
0: You're listening to the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar.
1: I, I give glory to your name. Pretty song, pretty song, and a beautiful expression of truth. We give glory to your name, Lord. We praise and worship the true and living God, the God of the Scriptures. The scriptures are very powerful, very beautiful. They present to us some amazing concepts and truths about our lives and our existence the truth about who we are and why we happen to be here on this planet Earth and the key to living here successfully and enjoying a full and meaningful life. But all of that takes second place or is found in the context of getting to know the god of the bible the reason for reading the bible is not so much just to get to know the bible the names and the main characters and the stories and the events and the battles and the dates and so on it is to get to know the god of the bible as we do that we will find ourselves beginning to think biblically with a biblical world view an understanding of what's happening around us from day to day we can live our lives in the context of who he is and what God is doing, a biblical worldview with God at the center. And, of course, that's what we are looking at here in the book of Judges. We have a people who have come now into the promised land in a very dramatic way. God has acted on their behalf. They have seen his hand at work among them in a time of stress, war, and difficulty. God has proven faithful, and there is a strong sense of spiritual unity and oneness as a nation. They begin to live in their different tribes, their different allotments of land. The Levites will begin to function. The tabernacle that they carried with them and that they set up along those 40 years in the wilderness is set up at Shiloh, north of Jerusalem, midway between the Sea of Galilee in the north and the Dead Sea on the south, on the west side of the Jordan. They are set up to begin to observe the festival days, the Passover, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and The other days of celebration, now they begin to function as the people of God living in the promised land. Dangers will continue to rise up, not only foreign enemies, but also and most problematic are the dangers that rise up from the inside. The temptations to follow after other gods, to break marriage vows, to drift into immorality, wickedness, and sin become greedy and cruel and competitive with one another. This does not have to do with government at this time. This is a matter of the people when their hearts are right and when there is a common consensus of morality and goodness. Now, it doesn't mean that every Israelite was a believer in God, but it means that there was a foundation of belief that united them, a consensus of righteousness that united them. What the United States once had, Righteousness Exalts a Nation, that's talking about that common consensus of goodness and morality. We'll see now how they lose it over this 325 year period. Watch the process and see if you don't recognize some of it taking place in our own country as well, here in the United States. From the book of Judges, we're going to read the first three chapters tonight. The first of the 12 judges, his name was Othniel, you might recognize his name from the book of Joshua. Judges one, 1 through 331, Judges 1. After Joshua died, the Israelites asked the Lord, which tribe should attack the Canaanites first? The Lord answered, Judah, for I have given them victory over the land. The leaders of Judah said to their relatives from the tribe of Simeon, join with us to fight against the Canaanites living in the territory allotted to us. Then we will help you conquer your territory. So the men of Simeon went with Judah. When the men of Judah attacked, the Lord gave them victory over the Canaanites and Perizzites, and they killed 10,000 enemy warriors at the town of Bezek. While at Bezek, they encountered King Adoni Bezek and fought against him, and the Canaanites and Perizzites were defeated. Adoni Bezek escaped, but the Israelites soon captured him and cut off his thumbs and big toes. Adoni Bezek said, I once had seventy kings with thumbs and big toes cut off, eating scraps from under my table. Now God has paid me back for what I did to them. They took him to Jerusalem, and he died there. The men of Judah attacked Jerusalem and captured it, killing all its people and setting the city on fire. Then they turned south to fight the Canaanites living in the hill country, the Negev, and the western foothills. Judah marched against the Canaanites in Hebron, formerly called Kiriath Arba, defeating the forces of Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai. From there they marched against the people living in the town of Debir, formerly called Kiriath-sefer. Then Caleb said, I will give my daughter Oksah in marriage to the one who attacks and captures Kiriath-sefer. Othniel, the son of Caleb's younger brother Canaz, was the one who conquered it, so Oksah became Othniel's wife. When Othniel married Othniel, she urged him to ask her father for an additional field. As she got down off her donkey, Caleb asked her, What is it? What can I do for you? She said, Give me a further blessing. You have been kind enough to give me land in the Negev. Please give me springs as well. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. When the tribe of Judah left Jericho, the Kenites, who were descendants of Moses' father-in-law, traveled with them into the wilderness of Judah. They settled among the people there, near the town of Arad in the Negev. Then Judah joined with Simeon to fight against the Canaanites living in Zephath and they completely destroyed the town. So the town was named Horma. In addition, Judah captured the cities of Gaza, Ashkelon, and Ekron, along with their surrounding territories. The Lord was with the people of Judah, and they took possession of the hill country. But they failed to drive out the people living in the plains, because the people there had iron chariots. The city of Hebron was given to Caleb, as Moses had promised. And Caleb drove out the people living there, who were descendants of the three sons of Anak, The tribe of Benjamin, however, failed to drive out the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. So to this day the Jebusites live in Jerusalem among the people of Benjamin. The descendants of Joseph attacked the town of Bethel, and the Lord was with them. They sent spies to Bethel, formerly known as Luz, who confronted a man coming out of the city. They said to him, Show us a way into the city, and we will have mercy on you. So he showed them a way in, and they killed everyone in the city except for this man and his family. Later, the man moved to the land of the Hittites, where he built a city. He named the city Luz, and it is known by that name to this day. The tribe of Manasseh failed to drive out the people living in Bethshan, Taanach, Dor, Iblim, Megiddo, and their surrounding villages, because the Canaanites were determined to stay in that region. When the Israelites grew stronger, they forced the Canaanites to work as slaves, but they never did drive them out of the land. The tribe of Ephraim also failed to drive out the Canaanites living in Gezer, and so the Canaanites continued to live there among them. The tribe of Zebulun also failed to drive out the Canaanites living in Ketron and Nahalol, who continued to live among them, but they forced them to work as slaves. The tribe of Asher also failed to drive out the residents of Akko, Sidon, Alab, Akzeb, Helba, Afik, and Rehob. In fact, because they did not drive them out, the Canaanites dominated the land where the people of Asher lived. The tribe of Naphtali also failed to drive out the residents of Beth Shemesh and Bethanoth. Instead, the Canaanites dominated the land where they lived. Nevertheless, the people of Beth Shemesh and Bethanoth were sometimes forced to work as slaves for the people of Naphtali. As for the tribe of Dan, the Amorites forced them into the hill country and would not let them come down into the plains. The Amorites were determined to stay in Mount Heres, Aijalon, and Shaalbim. But when the descendants of Joseph became stronger, they forced the Amorites to work as slaves. The boundary of the Amorites ran from Scorpion Pass to Selah and continued upward from there.
0: This is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar.
1: Judges 2. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim with a message for the Israelites. He told them, I brought you out of Egypt into this land that I swore to give to your ancestors, and I said I would never break my covenant with you. For your part, you were not to make any covenants with the people living in this land. Instead, you were to destroy their altars. Why then have you disobeyed my command? Since you have done this, I will no longer drive out the people living in your land. They will be thorns in your sides, and their gods will be a constant temptation to you. When the angel of the Lord finished speaking, the Israelites wept loudly. So they called the place weeping, and they offered sacrifices to the Lord. After Joshua sent the people away, each of the tribes left to take possession of the land allotted to them. And the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him, those who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Then Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the land he had inherited at Timnath-serah in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaash. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight and worshipped the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They chased after other gods, worshipping the gods of the people around them. And they angered the Lord. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Ashtoreth. This made the Lord burn with anger against Israel. So he handed them over to marauders who stole their possessions. He sold them to their enemies all around, and they were no longer able to resist them. Every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them, bringing them defeat just as he had promised. And the people were very distressed. Then the Lord raised up judges to rescue the Israelites from their enemies. Yet Israel did not listen to the judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods, bowing down to them. How quickly they turned away from the path of their ancestors, who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord placed a judge over Israel, he was with that judge and rescued the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. For the Lord took pity on his people who were burdened by oppression and suffering. But when the judge died, the people returned to their corrupt ways, behaving worse than those who had lived before them. They followed other gods, worshipping and bowing down to them, and they refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. So the Lord burned with anger against Israel. He said, Because these people have violated the covenant I made with their ancestors and have ignored my commands, I will no longer drive out the nations that Joshua left unconquered when he died. I did this to test Israel, to see whether or not they would obey the Lord as their ancestors did. That is why the Lord did not quickly drive the nations out or allow Joshua to conquer them all. This is the Bible lie
0: with Soapy Dollar.
1: Judges 3. The Lord left certain nations in the land to test those Israelites who had not participated in the wars of Canaan. He did this to teach warfare to generations of Israelites who had no experience in battle. These were the nations the Philistines, those living under the five Philistine rulers, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hivites living in the hill country of Lebanon, from Mount Baal-Hermon to Labo-Hamath. These people were left to test the Israelites, to see whether they would obey the commands the Lord had given to their ancestors through Moses. So Israel lived among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and they intermarried with them. Israelite sons married their daughters, and Israelite daughters were given in marriage to their sons and the Israelites worshiped their gods the Israelites did what was evil in the lord's sight they forgot about the lord their god and they worshiped the images of baal and the asherah poles then the lord burned with anger against israel and he handed them over to king kushan-rishathaim of aram-naharaim and the Israelites were subject to kushan-rishathaim for 8 years but when Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord raised up a man to rescue them. His name was Othniel, the son of Caleb's younger brother, Kenaz. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he became Israel's judge. He went to war against King Cushan-Rishathaim of Aram, and the Lord gave Othniel victory over him. So there was peace in the land for forty years. Then Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. Once again the Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord gave King Eglon of Moab control over Israel. Together with the Ammonites and Amalekites, Eglon attacked Israel and took possession of Jericho, and the Israelites were subject to Eglon of Moab for eighteen years. But when Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord raised up a man to rescue them. His name was Ehud, son of Gera of the tribe of Benjamin, who was left-handed. The Israelites sent Ehud to deliver their tax money to King Eglon of Moab. So Ehud made himself a double-edged dagger that was 18 inches long, and he strapped it to his right thigh, keeping it hidden under his clothing. He brought the tax money to Eglon, who was very fat. After delivering the payment, Ehud sent home those who had carried the tax money. But when Ehud reached the stone carvings near Gilgal, he turned back. He came to Eglon and said, I have a secret message for you. So the king commanded his servants to be silent and sent them all out of the room. Ehud walked over to Eglon as he was sitting alone in a cool upstairs room and said, I have a message for you from God. As King Eglon rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, pulled out the dagger strapped to his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. The dagger went so deep that the handle disappeared beneath the king's fat. So Ehud left the dagger in and the king's bowels emptied. Then Ehud closed and locked the doors and climbed down the latrine and escaped through the sewage access. After Ehud was gone, the king's servants returned and found the doors to the upstairs room locked. They thought he might be using the latrine, so they waited. But when the king didn't come out after a long delay, they became concerned and got a key. And when they opened the door, they found their master dead on the floor. While the servants were waiting, Ehud escaped, passing the idols on his way to Seirah. When he arrived in the hill country of Ephraim, Ehud sounded a call to arms. Then he led a band of Israelites down from the hills. Follow me, he said, for the Lord has given you victory over Moab, your enemy. So they followed him, and the Israelites took control of the shallows of the Jordan River across from Moab, preventing anyone from crossing. They attacked the Moabites and killed about 10,000 of their strongest and bravest warriors. Not one of them escaped. So Moab was conquered by Israel that day, and the land was at peace for 80 years. After Ehud, Shamgar son of Anath rescued Israel. He killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. End of reading, Judges 1-1 through 3:31. God speak to my heart. That's always our prayer as well as we read through the scriptures, that God would speak to us. As you have seen, the people of Israel have finally entered in. They've taken control of the land that had been promised to their ancestors. The book of Judges here, as we open the book, it continues the story of this conquest. Through God's strength, the Israelites have now conquered many enemies. They've overcome many difficulties, but their work is not finished They had effectively met many of the political and military challenges, but facing the spiritual challenges was more difficult. The unholy but attractive lifestyle of the Canaanites proved more dangerous than their military might. They were constantly tempted to compromise their faith. As we go into Judges chapter 1, it mentions the number of the people groups that they did not drive out. They have not been obedient to God. They have not driven out these other people groups. Do not be tempted to think this is a matter of race. This is not a matter of ethnicity. Actually, ethnically, they were the same as the people of Israel. They share an ethnicity. This is not about ethnicity. This is about worldview, the ethical, the moral values that they had assimilated from their relationship with God. The people of Israel sinned. They did not keep that agreement with God, that covenant that they had made back at Sinai. And there you see at the beginning of chapter 2, the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim and he told the people of Israel that the covenant relationship was broken. This is a very dramatic moment. Right here at Judges chapter 2, we have this dramatic announcement by God himself that he will not be driven and motivated any longer by their covenant relationship because the people of Israel had broken the covenant. And so they will now reap the consequences of breaking that covenant with God. As you read the book of Judges, they will go through seven cycles of sinning and rebelling against God. God will judge them. They will be conquered and oppressed by people groups around them or in their midst. And then God will raise up a judge. There are 12 of them that we will look at their lives. We've looked at three of them tonight. Judges will be raised up to deliver the people of Israel from that bondage, and then there will be a time of renewal. They will experience peace, God's protection, and they will be loyal to God, for the most part, while that judge lives. But then when the judge passes from the scene, they forget God very quickly, and they bring on another cycle of sin, rebellion, judgment, and deliverance. We're going to watch these seven cycles kind of a downward spiral over this period of time, about 325 years in the time of the Judges. But it begins with this announcement here that God will not be motivated and driven now by covenant obligation to the people because they have broken the covenant. He has not abandoned his plan to reveal himself to all the nations and tribes around them. He's still going to use Israel as an instrument of revelation. To the nations and the empires that rise and fall around them over these decades and centuries, God is still going to use them and He is still going to preserve them for his own purposes of bringing through the people of Israel the Messiah, the Redeemer. But he's not going to do it from covenant obligation. It is pure grace now. That's an important point for us to understand as we think of God and his actions and his working, particularly with the people now of Israel. Maybe that's something new for your consideration as you understand the Old Testament scriptures now and God's dealings with the people group we know as Israel. Israel is a type of, a picture of God's dealings with his people even today. We are Israel. We are the true Israel. We are descendants of Abraham in the spiritual sense, the lineage of faith. We are of the seed of Jesus, the Messiah. He is the firstborn of the redeemed, the new race of the redeemed. As he completed his role as the perfect man of faith and trust and obedience to the Father, he becomes the firstborn of the redeemed, and we now are of the lineage of faith. Our spiritual DNA, it is the life of Jesus the Messiah that flows in and through our lives now. We have to have these principles in mind as we read these passages in the Old Testament about God's dealings with the people of Israel, or you'll fall into this era of glorifying a piece of real estate or a people group. There is Israel, but spiritual Israel is the reality. God's dealings with this people group is a picture we can learn about him and his ways as we see him deal with the people of Israel, especially now in this time of the judges. Tonight we see Othniel, or this nephew of Caleb who becomes the first judge, and then also we meet Ehud and Shamgar, and we're introduced to the third judge, a woman named Deborah, and Borak who becomes her assistant. As we read through the stories of this era, of this time of the Judges, it's going to be important to remember that background, behind the scenes action of God. He is still dealing with the people of Israel, preserving, using them, but no longer motivated from a covenant obligation. Purely by grace and for His own reasons and purposes, God continues to use the people Very interesting. I think we could get a lot of applications out of this, but I'm thinking of this one judge we heard about, Othniel, this judge, left-handed judge. God will use any of our talents and gifts if we just put them at his disposal, even being Uh, (laughs) left-handed. We won't make fun of our left-handed friends, but we'll say that God can use each and every one of us whatever skills and talents he has given us. See you next time.
0: The Bible Live with Scopey Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Kendall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live Post Office Box 1888. That's the Bible Live P.O. Box 1888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today and in one year's time we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's Word.